This is To Be Continued, the Coming Out Saga podcast, and I'm Amber Birch. At the moment, I use she, they pronouns, though that could change at any time, and I am here to normalize that for myself and anyone else. I came out first as pansexual and now as queer at the age of 40 after an eight-year marriage. This podcast is my attempt to sift through the many layers that are part of the after of coming out. I hope in my stories and the questions I'm sitting with, you'll ultimately see glimpses of your own story and space to be with it all. So, I'm trying to practice offering less disclaimers and apologies, balanced with a sensitive awareness of what may be hard or triggering for others. So what I'll offer here is this. I'm learning how to navigate a language of inclusion that is rapidly and delicately evolving. I am not always going to get it right or best, but I do welcome dialogue and I hope, above all, you will always honor what's best for you and care for yourself accordingly. my friends. Welcome back. <laughs> I it's it's really good to have you here. Wherever you are jumping in to this whole journey of storytelling, I I appreciate your presence and I appreciate some of the stories that I hear from people who listen and just, you know, let me know what resonates with you. It has meant so much to me uh, to know that some of these very intimate things that I'm sharing can be something that I know is in some ways universal. The details can look very different, but some of these experiences are not all that different (laughs) from but a lot of people have experienced and that really is one of the major points of why I'm, I'm doing this whole crazy thing in the first place is it's not only been therapeutic for me to give myself space to process being in process like this and to just bring some more visibility to queer stories in any way that I can, but also to know that for people who even have been out for a while, but never had an opportunity in the beginning of their coming out process or along the way to dialogue or just hear some of, some of these experiences that can resonate in a deep way, in ways that maybe we can't put into words in the moment until we hear somebody else put it into words. And we're like, yes, yes, I felt that. I never could put my finger on that, or I never quite had the words for that, or I didn't know if I was alone in feeling that. But just how powerful it is, how storytelling can open up 
those spaces of recognition. And I think that, again, is why I feel so passionate and compelled to tell my own story is because I know it has that kind of chain reaction, that ripple effect, really, of this isn't just about me telling my story. This is about opening up space for other stories to be even just felt and recognized. Uh, And even if it's just, you know, in a DM letting me know, or even if it's just knowing within yourself that somebody else in in their own way heard you, uh, I just, I'm all here for that. (laughs) So that's been amazing. Um, And here we are on episode seven And we're almost ready to just dip right into full holiday swing, which I know a lot of people can have a lot of feelings about and run the gamut from, oh my God, the holidays are the best time of the year to, I just want to like bury myself under blankets and get through the next month plus, um, I, I really understand that I, you know, as a very newly out person who is now estranged from pretty much my entire family, (laughs) I'm not particularly looking forward to this holiday season. Uh, I've not been a huge fan of the holidays for a while, but I just know it's going to be a little bit, um, a little bit rockier this year. Um, so if, if you're feeling that in any way, I feel you and I'm here. Um, I, you know, Thanksgiving is, I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of this colonial holiday or a holiday that, you know, really features gathering around a dead animal carcass, but I, really am fond of any excuse to get together with the people that we love. And how much more precious is that now that we have experienced such a deprivation of that and, and really how it it is such a gift that we, I don't take lightly anymore. (laughs) Um, what it means to be able to be face to face and touch the people like people that we love or people that we want to get to know or whatever the case may be. And so I hope that wherever you're at, that, um, there will be some opportunities for that connection in in different forms in this next week. This episode, I wasn't sure where I was going to go this next week with a topic, if I was even going to do an episode this week, but I, the episode this week I've called, uh, I'm a what now (laughs) is kind of my way of, of introducing this topic of, of what it feels like to navigate identity in a world that might see 
us differently than how we identify ourselves. Um, and that's, you know, again, all of this is like so brand new to me that it, it changes, it seems like from week to week. So I realize that anything I say now could be a different story or a much, I could have so much more to say about this in six months or a year, but this is where I'm at today. And I hope that, you know, in talking about what it is felt like right now to grapple with this is again, resonant for, um, people on all different stages of, of your own process and evolution, or if you have people in your life who are, who are in various stages of evolution of like, you know, partly out or haven't come out or questioning or just came out or wherever they're at. So, um, I've, I've talked a little bit about how one of my big things in coming out has been this imposter syndrome and and so closely tied to that has been this this reality that that especially a few months ago i was like i i don't look queer i i'm we call it straight passing like we pass it, and i when i first came out was like i'm entirely straight passing here <laughs> like it's like nothing visibly changed from one day to the next in terms of like recognizing, oh, I'm not straight. I'm actually queer. This huge shift happened on the inside, but on the outside, I still look very straight. So it was this uh, just, you know, coming out to that was like a very disorienting sort of experience. And hard to, hard to know because, you know, I didn't really have gay dar or queer dar for myself, you know, in terms of being able to pick up on the signals of how other people might present as queer or gay, uh, or however, you know, people may identify as not, um, being, you know, heteronormative. And so, um, I, of course I know, and I knew then there isn't, there isn't like one way or any really set way to like look queer. And there are a lot of people that are straight passing who are very validly queer. So you don't have to look queer to be queer. I like obviously want to state that. And I know that, but there is something, there's something very validating for me about wanting to be recognized in, in alignment with how I identify and how I feel. And so, you know, I, I was wondering, you know, how do I, how do I queer up my look? <laughs> um, and so I, I didn't know where to, where to begin. You know, I was, kind of, you know, there's, there's hair, which is like the big thing. Hair is a big thing. Okay. <laughs> so if you've heard me talk about my haircut story, that actually was a huge thing for me. 
in bringing a little bit more of an alignment to how I present physically and how I feel about my identity. And also a significant shift for me in questioning a deeper aspects of my identity like gender. Um, but so I was like wondering in the beginning, do I cut my hair? I don't want to just launch in because I actually is being so new in this identity. Um, I don't know. A haircut felt a lot more symbolic than it ever has. There's just so much more weight behind it of like intentionality and in how I present myself. So I was like, I don't know yet. I don't know what I want this hair to look like, but I have long hair right now. And then I was wondering like, you know, what kind of clothes do I wear? Do I identified just kind of half-heartedly as, as femme when I first came out. And so I just continued wearing what I always wear, um, which was like, <laughs> I think one of my housemates here on the farm a couple months ago, you know, identified in their words, my particular aesthetic as, um, I guess, Dust Bowl era bohemian chicken in the kitchen kind of yogi, which <laughs> you would have to see a very specific picture of me uh, that this goes with. But uh, basically, yeah, just kind of, kind of bohemian hippie, but femme, but also kind of farmerish. Uh, just definitely have my own style, right? Um, but suddenly that didn't really feel very queer. <laughs> I didn't know how do I, how do I play with my style in a way that still feels true to me? Like I'm not trying to fit myself into a certain aesthetic or mold. And then of course, like, you know, one of the, the kind of gay things that I've learned, which all of these are take with a grain of salt, right? These are all people's opinions and preferences, but from what I've heard, <laughs> it can be kind of a very gay thing to, you know, use a carabiner to clip your keys to your belt loop. <laughs> and I don't have keys. I literally don't have any keys right now. I don't have a house key. I don't have a car. So I don't have car keys. Like I don't have office keys. I have no keys. So there will be no carabiner clipping to my belt loop. And then there's, you know, like body hair. That felt like a very big queer thing. And I realized there is a growing population of, you know, cishet women who are embracing body hair. So it's not just a queer thing by any means, but it is definitely a lot more common in queer community I've found to just have people, you know, not shaving and so as somebody that has shaved, you know, uh, since I finally gave in and started shaving reluctantly back in junior high or high school or whenever I started shaving, um, I, I really haven't looked back. And so it's like, do I need to let my armpit hair grow out? Do I need to let my leg hair grow out? Is that something I have to do in order to look queer? Um, I don't want to force myself to do anything that I don't actually want to do. And I haven't felt really compelled at this point to let my body hair grow out. I might someday. 
I have no problem with other people doing it. Uh, I just haven't felt that myself. So I kind of turn to things like, like clothes <laughs> in terms of like, or just anything that has a rainbow on it, right? <laughs> it was just very cliche, like uh, almost comical. Like I, I'm trying to put some humor here, getting the ridiculous rainbow comical shirts, uh, rainbow mug, uh, queer pins that I can put on things. Um, I've really relied on those. Like they're kind of like my walking billboard flashing. Look at me. I am actually queer. (laughs) Like arrows pointing here, please pay attention. Um, and it else, you know, it's kind of a pride thing too. Obviously I feel really proud to be identifying within the queer community. So I want people to know, I don't want to I don't want to be hidden. I, I want to be seen. And so there's that too. And then as I've talked about, you know, hands are, are kind of a big deal, especially among, you know, female identifying or female adjacent people. We do a lot with our hands. And so if we pay attention to other people's hands see how, you know, short and clean the nails are, that sort of thing. And so I, uh, while I, I already have had short nails because I work on a farm, I have had to be extra diligent making sure my nails are clean, which is very tricky on a farm, but those sorts of things. Um, but in a deeper sense, it has certainly brought up a lot of just hard, uncomfortable feelings and questions of really grappling with what, what I, I see and experience and am told is like straight passing privilege. And I don't know how much I can say to this because it, feels like a very, it's a very delicate thing. And I'm so new and I want to approach this with so much humility and, and recognition that there is absolutely an inherent privilege in, in being able to pass this straight that in terms of how people treat me and in terms of how people treat anyone who passes a straight there is, there is a greater sense of safety and comfort in public places. Um, it, I don't have to worry for the most part about being assaulted verbally or otherwise. I, I don't have to, at this point, and it, this might change someday, but at this point, I, you know, I've never experienced terror or discomfort or even anxiety using the bathroom um, and wondering if I'm going to be policed at the very least. Um, And so I'm aware of all of that. And also it's a little bit different from having white privilege, which I also have 
in abundance. And I recognize that as well. That that plays into this too. And I have some economic privilege and I have a load of privileges here. But straight passing privilege has just never felt good to me because this is something that um, it, it assumes that it assumes that it feels good for me or beneficial for me always to have this privilege. Like, why wouldn't I want this privilege? When in actuality, to be passing as straight always puts me at odds with how I actually identify. Because then it means that people are assuming things about my identity that aren't true and treating me accordingly. And while there, that is a different degree of discomfort for sure than people experience who don't have this quote-unquote privilege, and I am not debating that. I'm not even trying to compare that. I'm just saying that this is also the truth, that this privilege doesn't feel good to me because it means that people assume something that's not true of me. And it assumes, in some ways, people assume that it, it's more a choice for me. I could choose to continue being straight passing. I could choose to be in a straight passing relationship and therefore garner more safety for myself. And so therefore, you know, it, it just like, it almost makes me feel like I'm less queer and I'm having to defend my queerness when, you know, for someone like me who prioritizes not abandoning or silencing myself any longer, if I were to choose that because it felt like that was the only way to remain safe, how would that actually feel good? How is that actually a privilege? I, I don't know. It, these are the sorts of things that I'm grappling with. And, you know, so it's been, it's been a weighty thing from the beginning. Um, and the first taste that I really had of this was just this kind of adjacent taste of, you know, before I really publicly came out, I was dating and this person, as I've talked about in previous episodes, you know, identifies as trans and non-binary. And so when we were making plans to, you know, rent this Airbnb in a, in a little town that isn't where I live, and we were deciding where to book this, you know, my date asked, are we going to be safe there? As in, do we need to worry about being assaulted verbally or physically. And this was literally a question I'd never had to factor in to travel considerations before. And it was, it was sobering. Not just because suddenly it affected me, but sobering because I, 
it was just this window opened up to see what somebody else's experience has been and so many people's experiences that I have not had to face yet until this moment that by being out with somebody who would be more likely to be on the receiving end of that kind of treatment, this was now something I needed to factor into. And, and that's the reality. So that is where I was at again, just like three months ago. And since then, some things have changed. So in a very short time, I've gone from thinking, I will never know what it feels like to struggle with how others perceive and assign my gender, to holy fuck, so this is what it feels like. And in a, again, a toned down way than what other people experience, but in, in my own ways. Um, you know having my sexual orientation assumed to be straight so far has been more a small annoyance than anything else. Kind of a shrug. What are you going to do? I look, uh, people are going to just assume straight for the most part, unless I work really hard at, you know, butching up my appearance, which isn't exactly the aesthetic I'm going for right now. I just have to accept on some level that most straight people are going to assume I'm straight. Queer peeps may pick up on the nuances because I'm not entirely straight passing, but queer folks know what to look for and straight people really don't. So (laughs) I could say that having been very recently someone who thought I was straight and didn't really know what to look for. (laughs) So I've learned a lot in a couple months. So I have done a few things that's are experimental and explorative with regards to queering up my look. You know, I did land on a different haircut that so far has felt more like me. It's kind of like the short mullety haircut <laughs> that uh, that I'm. It's I'm really growing into it. It'll probably continue to evolve, but I it's felt it's felt like it's opened up space for me to feel more like myself. You know, I have an increasing collection of queer pins and funny rainbow apparel. I've added some flannel and some button downs into my, my wardrobe, which is kind of fun. I have, you know, a jean jacket, which (laughs) I've been told is also, you know, kind of a lesbian move, which I feel kind of lesbian adjacent right now. So I, I, I might say like gay or lesbian and I, I don't exactly identify in that way. I don't really know how I identify in terms of my sexual orientation at this point, but I'm definitely more lesbian leaning in some ways. So, and then I have like a fanny pack <laughs> that has possums on it of all things. So I don't know what that says about me, but that I'm fun. I don't know. Quirky. Um, which I guess kind of goes with the queer thing. Um, but 
I haven't been able to put a dress on since I cut my hair. And I'm not sure how I feel about that dresses at the moment, which is a little sad for me. I mean, I don't have a lot of dresses, but I have a little collection of dresses that I have really loved. And it's so it's not like I suddenly don't like dresses. It's more, I don't feel comfortable with the assumptions that are made with wearing a dress when I am someone who still looks more straight to straight people. And I, there's not a lot I can do about that. I imagine I'll feel more at ease challenging that when this is not also very fresh and new, but this is the stage where I'm in, where I feel like, unfortunately, the clothing that I choose to wear is significant in presenting outwardly more in alignment with with my identity so we'll see um i <laughs> i recently s- splurged i've been splurging on a lot of things because i just feel like i'm in this phase of like i need i need so desperately to feel that i'm affirming myself in my identity and so i have the ability to like splurge on a few things and so I splurged on these kind of gender neutral boxer briefs that are really fun and I I put them on and I'm just like yeah yeah these are sexy I feel sexy in these and so comfortable and it just felt so good um because it's it's another thing wearing very feminine underwear when you suddenly are like I don't feel entirely like a feminine person feels like a dissonance it feels strange and so it just matters to have things that feel not dissonant um I recently learned that queer farmer is its own gender identity, which, you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but like also kind of true. And in this informal sort of way, there's this like functional outerwear look of like leather work boots are for me a vegan version of, of boots like that. And Carhartts or bib overalls of some kind, flannels, fleeces, hoodies, you know, just like stocking hats, gender neutral look that's just kind of rugged and I find that really sexy when I see that in other people and it's interesting because that more is the look that I've been going for and that's been another interesting thing is that I find maybe because I am so new in this journey myself and this will I'm sure shift as as I shift but Right now, I find that I am most attracted to the kind of look that I want for myself. So when I see somebody who is kind of queer farmer or somebody who is a little more androgynous or non-binary, which non-binary has many, many looks. So, I mean, that's a very, very loose way of putting that. Um, I... I'm really drawn to that. And that's also how 
I am drawn to present myself. So it's, it's been an interesting thing. But, but having my gender identity suddenly also assumed, not suddenly, it's always been assumed, but being aware that my gender identity is assumed has really elicited a whole new set of feelings. You know, from the smallest thing of just filling out gender on forms, I, it's getting harder and harder to check the female box. There have been very few forms I've filled out that offer a gender neutral or other option. And, you know, for me, it's more mildly discomforting right now than it is anything else. But for other people, it is distressing. It is absolutely distressing. And it's something that needs to change much more rapidly than it is. Um, but it's something that I'm aware of even for myself right now. You know, my pronouns are, are assumed. You know, most people's pronouns are assumed. That is also something that needs to, to continue changing. It is starting to shift to normalize asking people's pronouns instead of assuming, but you know, that is, we have so very long to go with that. And so, you know, people assume that I go by she and with almost everyone, I do go by she, but I find that I'm really loving going by they with other queer folks. And at some point that could change too. I could decide that I want to be they all the way, all throughout, how I, you know, interact with other people. But for now, it's been kind of like, okay, well, these people have known me as she, they can still know me as she, but as I'm introducing myself to new folks, I'm appreciating also being known as they. And so, you know, again, that could change one to the other, or it could just be this dance of fluidity where I'm never really a permanent resident in any country and I just travel between several and that kind of confuses people and that's just the way it goes. Like, I don't really know, but I'm leaving space for that. So one of the things that kind of came up for me just yesterday, actually, I was, I was out in the woods. I posted this in my Instagram stories and just really was kind of chewing on it, uh, which kind of inspired this whole episode in the first place <laughs> was that I was out in the woods and I was gathering some, some birch branches and I, I was off the trail and I come back to the trail and suddenly there's a hunter coming down the path. He's decked out in camo and he's got his rifle and he's, you know, like a middle-aged, older, you know, white dude. <laughs> and, um, and he said, wow, it's not common for me to come across a beautiful woman in the woods. And I just kind of looked at him and gave a very awkward, like, hey, yeah, here I am. Um, but it was jarring. And, you know, thankfully, he just kept walking and didn't drag it out any longer. But I was like, wow, that, that felt really off to me. And it wasn't so much like, Ugh. 
focusing on how yucky that felt. It was more like, wow, that really gave me some interesting information as to where I'm at right now. Because hearing myself referred to as beautiful woman, it was like I was out of my body for a moment and I heard him talking about someone and then realized it was me. And I'm like, oh, oh, so that's how he sees me. That's how the world still sees me. Here I am going around thinking I'm this very gay looking queer farmer person and this guy just suddenly calls me out as beautiful woman and I it just like brought me out of my little reality into a different reality of of what yeah how other people see me and you know I'm learning that it's it's kind of hard to exist in a space beyond the gender binary you're never quite seen properly. You're either the kind of person people squint at and mutter, is that a man or a woman? I'm confused. And I have talked to a lot of people, a lot of people who are on the receiving end of that kind of treatment all the time. And that sounds... so exhausting and so frustrating to say the least or like me you're just assumed to be what you're not in a different way because it's all assuming to be something you're not and then you just feel invisible and it's not that it's not that I don't conceive of myself as beautiful, however one may choose to define that. It's that I don't particularly identify with beautiful plus woman. <laughs> and beautiful coming from a cishet man right now feels inherently gendered. And it feels like if we were playing Marco Polo, <laughs> in terms of words and descriptors and how they feel in the body, it feels cold, like you're not close to home here. Whereas beautiful from a fellow queer person, especially someone who's non-binary or trans, feels more warm. It's very nuanced. And I don't know what descriptors feel most desired or most like me right now, but I think I resonate more with, hey, I want to be sexy. I want to be funny. I want to be strong. I want to be hot. <laughs> but I definitely cringe at pretty. Again, not because I'm offended by it, but because I'm just like, uh, it just doesn't, it's just like not quite, it's not quite right. It's just not. And I don't want to be handsome exactly. <laughs> I'm just... I just don't know right now. So it's, it's an interesting place to, to be. And I was, I got some feedback from a friend of mine who, who's also queer and, and they 
they were saying, you know, basically what I got from what they were, how they were affirming me is, you know, people are going to see what they expect to see. And in a world that is gendered, in a world that does exist still very much in this binary of male and female, people are not going to be expecting to see any different. They're going to look, they're going to see a certain kind of body, a certain kind of mannerism, and they're going to be, that's woman. And... And I'm not saying this in defense of people because we need to shift, but also we as humans don't know how to look for things that we don't know to look for. (laughs) And that is something that we need to learn, that we need to be actively educating ourselves about. That's that responsibility is on us. But also there are a lot of people that aren't even, they're not even existing in that realm of possibility. And so if you're not looking for something, you're you're not going to know it's it's there. If you're not looking for some kind of fluidity or gender neutrality or just some kind of spaciousness for this not to be black and white, then you're going to see it as black and white. And... So I guess, again, not as like being like, well, it's all okay for people to do that, but as a way of of reassuring myself and hopefully maybe reassuring somebody else who's in similar positions, like it it is not an us issue. It's not a me issue. It's not a you issue of you're not presenting well enough. Maybe you look um, very much in alignment with your identity and the world is still going to get it wrong because they don't know how to see differently and that is not a you issue I I don't know I found that I found that a little bit reassuring at least for me of the people who know what to look for are still going to see me they're going to see me not everyone's going to see me A lot of people aren't going to see me, but that doesn't mean that I can't be seen. And certainly we can see ourselves, but there is something really affirming and healing and powerful to be able to be around people who can see you, who know how to see you, or who want to learn how to see you. And so I guess if there's anything that I could impart maybe to people who are listening to this that aren't within the queer community but are kind of queer adjacent or allies um, in any of us because I'm unlearning this myself I'm unlearning making assumptions about people's identities and it's a process so maybe we can practice wherever you're at, asking people's pronouns, telling people yours, not assuming that someone who looks, you know, who was 
assigned female at birth or assigned male at birth identifies that way. Not assuming that you know someone's sex, (laughs) you know, that you know what body parts somebody has. I mean, can you think about it? Think about, think about how big those assumptions are that we have normalized making about each other. Those are huge assumptions to make. Very, very private assumptions to make. Nobody should have to prove or defend those to anybody. And so if we can practice in kind of smaller ways, making it normal to not assume those things, we're off to a good start, right? And we're off to creating a safer, more spacious path for everyone and ways for people to feel more seen in this world. So those are my thoughts. And again, just really thank you for listening, for being here. And I cannot emphasize this enough. If you are, if you're, you know, also part of the queer community and you just want to share any bit of your story with me, I would love to hear from you. You know, you can find me at either, you know, the To Be Continued podcast Instagram or kiss the earth amber on Instagram and I I would love to hear from you I would love for you to know that you're not alone so I wish everyone a safe and connective week and I will be back <laughs>